0: Welcome to Flashpoint,
1: the Fire Inside podcast,
0: featuring leadership and team-building principles designed to ignite your inner fire and help you reach your full potential.
1: On our program, you will learn from professional athletes, military
0: and business experts, inspirational figures, leaders in the fire service, and other top achievers who have reached the pinnacle of success in their chosen fields. And now your host, international speaker and best-selling author, Frank Viscuso. So, we are here with Chris Lang and a friend of mine and a, and a fantastic uh, coach. He's going to be a great guest because you guys know I love coaching uh, in the fire service and on the baseball diamond. And Chris is a baseball coach from Felician University. He's the head baseball coach since 2004. And just to, to talk a little bit about uh, Chris before I uh, officially welcome him on the show, he led the Golden Falcons to 12. Central Atlanta Collegiate Conference tournament berths and two championships, five conference and division regular season championships, 413 victories, unless this needs to be updated, 4 times CACC Coach of the Year in 2016, 17, 18, and 19, coached 85 all-conference, 34 all-region, including three regional uh, Player of the Year, and uh, six All-American honorees, and 22-year former players signed professional contracts. Do I have all that
1: right? It, it sounds like i'm a lot better than that i guess but yeah it sounds like it's pretty fair pretty good it's pretty accurate <laughs> well, well well that's awesome and now chris uh,
0: as i mentioned just a moment ago first of all thank you for coming on and welcome to the podcast
1: no i appreciate it thanks for the opportunity um anytime i get a chance to give back a little bit and have a chance to talk to someone uh, obviously like you it's you know more than more than welcome so I'm, I'm happy to be here
0: well you know i know your heart's in the right place i should actually start by saying this uh when covid hit Uh, Early 2020, um, I was serving on the board of directors for Tom's River East Little League, and I wanted to do something special for the kids because we didn't even know if we were going to have a season. And so I started reaching out to pro athletes and uh, notable figures, um, motivational speakers, you name it, and trying to get them just to say a few encouraging words. You helped me get quite a few. And I appreciate that, and it just shows the type of person you are, because like you said, you like to give back, and I've seen that firsthand in more than one way. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, it was my pleasure, no doubt. So um,
0: you grew up in Keyport, New Jersey. I grew up in Kearney, New Jersey. Uh, It seems like they're opposite sides of the world when you're a kid, but they're actually very similar. But but to start this conversation, talk about uh, just growing up in Keyport, what it was like. Was it a close community?
1: Yeah, well, actually, I grew up in Union Beach, which is uh, obviously the neighboring town, but um, yeah, so many great, great, fond memories of growing up in, that, in that little, those two little towns. You know, I went to high school in Keyport. Um, just that close-knit community, um, everybody in, in the area felt like extended family. Like, you knew everything about everybody, they knew everything about you. It was just really, really uh, awesome to see, like, just how people came together. You know, it was just it felt like one really big family. Like, grammar school felt like my brothers and sisters. And then when high school came obviously it, it just felt like some of some of the people you met when you were older or younger you know they just again felt like an extended family and uh, it was really special it just was um sometimes i think you know too many people knew too many things about you but i mean at the end of the day it's led led, led back to my adult life obviously getting me an opportunity like this um with laura you know obviously she was a good friend in high school and uh, a lot of the guys and, and girls you know and uh, teammates classmates you know, they, they became our, you know, big fans of Felician and, and of Langen Baseball and Langen Sports. So, you know, can't be um, just very appreciative of, of, of just that bond that was created in that small little town.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I think when I look back to when I grew up too, it seemed, and maybe because I don't live there anymore, but it seemed like Carney was the same way. Everybody knew everybody. And like you said, maybe a little bit too much about everybody. But it but it had that family feel. Like when I became a firefighter in that town, mm-hmm. uh, it I was going on calls going to my friends' parents' houses all the time. It's like that feel. And that changes over the years. I don't know if my kids will ever have the kind of uh, experience you and I had. And when you mentioned Laura a moment ago for the listeners, Laura is my wife. And that's how you and I met uh, through uh, my, your connection with her and, and obviously um, our connection with baseball. But what attracted you to baseball to begin with?
1: My father. Um, my father and I have a twin brother, as, as you already mentioned, um, they, every day was go get your glove. As soon as school's over, go get the glove, go get a bat. My dad would just throw balls at us. You know, it felt like all day, you know. And uh, obviously, I, I get a chance to now thank him uh, on this podcast. So I appreciate that as well. Um, but yeah, he, he was the guy. He was the one that that really brought that passion in the, in the, in the life of this game to me. And, and I've been very, very fortunate, obviously, to uh, still be around it and to teach it and coach it. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't even imagine my life right now without the game. And and again, that's all due to my father's just, you know, his passion of it. And that like that little kid story of the dad with the ball in the glove and you know, you with the bat. It was, yeah, it was, it was great. And I and I thank him every day for it. I do, I really do.
0: That's great. That's great that you had the opportunity to thank him. I'm in the same situation with my dad. You know, I, I just saw a quote the other day and I know I'll mess this up because I didn't memorize it, but it said something like, Eight-year-olds don't need showcase camps and and uh, specialty coaches, they need moms and dads that go out and play with them. And as you know, that's something my wife and I do constantly. Matter of fact, my wife is actually at practice with the boys right now. I'm not there for two reasons. One is I'm talking to you and two slipped on the ice and uh, just a few days ago and and I'm nursing a wound. But but I wanna talk about this first. I mean, you know, uh, the majority of my listeners are in emergency services, fire, police officers, EMS. Uh, of course, I have a lot of coaches, a lot of people in business that listen as well, because I like to bring on people like yourself to just talk about life lessons in general. Um, so to start on that topic, before we get into building teams and what we look for in team members, um, life lessons, you know, I, when I was younger, I played baseball, but it wasn't my primary sport, wrestling and wrong were my two primary sports. I played everything, football, soccer, you name it. As I'm older and coaching, I realized, man, baseball is so similar to life. And more importantly, uh, it just teaches you how to overcome failure and adversity. But I I wanted to ask you what kind of life lessons you took away from the sport that you think have helped you now as as a business owner, which we'll talk about as a coach and and just uh, in general.
1: Yeah, I think you kind of hit on it right away. I mean, in, in life, without any kind of a failure, there's really no success. Um, you know, that, that challenge from, from working from the ground up, you know, from the bottom of the mountain to the top uh, climbing, um, you know, just the commitment and the goals that you're setting, um, working, you know, learning how to be a teammate and, and, and just, you know, overcoming a lot of adversity and, and, you know, just that challenge, that everyday challenge and that grind of life. I think if you don't learn how to fail, you, there obviously will never be success. If everything's always handed to you, everything's always great for you. Uh, what do you do when you're challenged? You, you know you generally have no idea. You, you're backing into a corner, um, and you just can't handle it. And I think obviously with with some failure, you know you just learn so much about yourself, how much you're willing to commit, um, and how much further you are you know willing to push yourself when when the going gets really tough. And I, and I just think that's just one of the bigger things right there. Um, and then obviously there's all the communication and learning trust and you know there's there's a lot. I mean baseball, like you just said, like I think about it so much and so often about. Just this, just the spot that I'm in in life, um, and and I never really realized how important I guess it really is. You know, being a coach, being a mentor, um, you you get to just deliver so many life lessons that you don't even realize. And it it took me a really long time to kind of embrace that and 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 understand it. Um, But you know, definitely, you know, you see it every day. You just do. There's there's a challenge every day in life, right? And I think there's a thing I always live by. You know, I used to always say you want to dream it, you want to believe it, and you want to achieve it, right? And I think if you keep that in mind, and um, you know, you 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 have a lot of success, and you keep yourself motivated, and you keep yourself moving. You're not complacent, you know. I think once you become stale, you die. You know, it's just yeah. like
0: yeah. And I would agree with that, and I like that about uh, dreaming it, believing it, and achieving it. And I want to kind of explore that a little bit more right now because we talk about in baseball that success comes down to doing the basics over and over and over again. And quite honestly, it's the same thing with firefighting. Uh, the other day. Uh, somebody had said, and we say this a lot in baseball, baseball is a lot more fun when you're good at it. And that comes with practice and and, you'll have more fun on the field. And I thought, you know what? Everything's a lot more fun when you're good at it. If you actually do the basics over and over and over again. Uh, There's a saying that I often say at my seminars, which is unused skills fade quickly. Mm -hmm. I have been to some of your Langen Prospects practices and my kids have had the, the privilege of of going through this with some of the older kids that you guys trained and I see you guys do the basics over and over and over and over again. And I, I wanna ask you, do you feel that way? I mean, you, you coach at a much higher level than I did and probably ever will. Do you feel like it always comes down to the basics?
1: So I probably was coaching college baseball for at least three years as a head coach, not really knowing what I was doing. Uh, the late great Fred Hill, Rutgers University, longtime coach, Literally just said to me. He said, "Hey, you know, uh, you have a lot of passion for the game. You're at every all these events. You got a lot of desire." He said, "The one thing I think that you got to remember is you're going to keep it simple, and you always got to go back to the basics. And, and remember, these guys know nothing. If you treat it that way, you'll start to see that you'll be able to build them back up, and, and you know, take them to the next level. And it really is like you just said. That's 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 the start of every practice, whether it's been year one or year 18 for me." Um, that's just what we do, you know, it's from the simple little drills. Because, again, we're, we're trying to form a foundation. And we want to create good good habits rather than bad habits early. And, uh, you know, again, I, that message stands loud and clear a long, for a long time with me. Um, and, and it's something I can obviously – I wish he was still here. But uh, I, I can never thank Coach Hill for that simple message because it's really, really, really led to a lot of great for me. Uh,
0: well, uh, you said that you start your practices that way with the basics –
1: now, yeah. even every day practice the same thing we start with a simple drill you know use working from the ground up because I yeah. think a lot of baseball is about balance and you know and, and understanding your body and the movements of your body and yeah we, we, we continue to do it in college as well and sometimes I think it's maybe too dummy down so to speak but our guys just seem to really like take it they understand it and then you can kind of work from there you can build off that so you know again keeping it simple works you know
0: yeah, keeping it simple does work. You, you call them athletes because they are athletes. In my industry, uh, sometimes we throw around the terms combat athletes or industrial athletes because here we are waking up at three o'clock in the morning, throwing on 60 pounds of gear, running into a burning building. So we don't know when our games are planned, right? We don't know um, how long the games are going to be and we don't know what we're heading into. So we have to be ready all the time. Because of that, we focus on training for the basics. But But what I really really stress throughout the country when I talk to firefighters is you have to put yourself in game situations too you have to prepare for the speed of the game and do you guys do that during your practices do you finish with like scrimmages amongst your your team members
1: we'll do some live um, game type situations so guys are you know ready for the moment like you just said you know putting a man on third and maybe putting on a squeeze play or um, you know just as a hitter trying to get the run home or, you know, obviously, I was a pitcher trying to make that perfect two strike pitch. So we try to just take them through every situation that can happen in the game. And, you know, you recreate it and and again, make that challenging just so when they do encounter it, they're not afraid of it. They're they're ready for it. And and they're just, you know, and you can see it. You really do. You you can see the guys be real comfortable in that big moment. And then Mm -hmm. that's when you know you have a good team. And that's when as a coach, you feel like you did your best work. You know, you make sure that they're prepared. And even if it feels boring and sounds boring, you got to do it. You got to keep going over those repetitive things. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times we work on just line drives to third and the guy catches the ball and tags the runner or steps on a base for forces or just simple little things that you would assume everybody already knows. And, and, and just on, oftentimes they don't and they forget because the moment gets too big. But, you know, you recreate the moment. I think they, they handle the moment well. And then, you know, that's when you're getting your best results.
0: Yeah, it's, it's great you said that. You know, one of the th- things that I do when I train my boys is I try to put them in that situation. For example, when I'm warming them up and, and now we're doing plays to first and, and Frankie's a first baseman, I always make him finish the play at first by throwing home as if he's trying to get the runner out. And, and it's kind of funny when you see it because I, my wife will be hitting balls to them uh, and maybe Nicholas will field it. He'll throw it to Frankie. Frankie will fire it to me at home base. And and we'll do it over and over and over again. So one day I'm sitting down and I'm watching him play in an actual game. He's on first base. There's a runner on third. Uh, The ball is hit to third base. Runner checks, or the third baseman checks the runner. He throws it to Frankie. And of course the coach sends the runner at third. Frankie has to lay out for this he has to stretch in a really awkward position he's a lefty so he's stretching he, he has his arm out he's laying on the ground turns around knowing that the runner was going and just fires it home and gets him out and when he does it I had a couple of the uh of the coaches that have been coaching years longer than I have jump up and go that was awesome one of them ran over to the field called him over and high-fived them and I sat here thinking what's interesting is they what they witnessed was something I've seen him do a couple hundred times right. during practice, but it looks like he's just a natural doing it because he, again, he practices the way we want him to play. I think it's so important that people understand this. And again, I'm not just talking about baseball. I'm talking about whatever you do in my career as firefighter, whatever you do is to practice. So when that happens, you're ready to perform and you've known many uh, professional athletes as do I, and, and we've seen that before. Where, where they show up at that big game and they do perform. But let me talk to you about this question. What happens when you know somebody's capable of doing it? You know they, they can make that big play. But during that game, they don't make the play. And you could see that it affects them mentally to where now they're out of the game. And you've seen this. We've seen this with pro players. Chuck Knobloch years yeah. ago with, with the Yankees. He went through that stint where he just – it seems like he was making errors a lot. What do you say to that kid if you bring him into the dugout? Uh, do you say anything to him during the game, or is it after the game?
1: Well, I kind of like to approach it um, after the game. I, I think it's very obvious to everybody that there was a mistake made. Nobody's trying to make the mistake; it just happens. Um, why make the kid feel worse? And then, like you said, maybe take him take him down more in the dumps and really take him out of the game. Um, you know, mentally. Once you're done mentally, we all know physically you're not going to perform. So you know, generally our post-game speeches are, you know, yeah, hey, we won or whatever, good game. We start to talk a little bit about some of the some of the mistakes. And again, I think you just got to keep it positive. You know, yeah, hey, we, when this situation happens again, this is what we're thinking. And we all know that errors are going to happen and mistakes are going to be made. And you may make that mistake again. But the fact that we're just going to go over it again and, and, you know, let the guy know that you're still my guy. You know, you're still in our, everybody on this team is still in your corner. Nobody's, you know, that upset, it's one game, you know, it's hard to go undefeated in any sport, right? I mean, obviously, there's only been one professional team to do it in, in how many decades of sports now. So it's yeah. really, real hard to win every game. Obviously, we, we just want the guys to realize, again, you made a mistake. Here's what we need to try to do. What were you thinking in that moment? And sometimes their answers are, I froze, you know, and that's generally what you get. Okay, so, you know, we have to try to find a way to, to, to work around being that frozen, you know, like, so we're still just in every pitch. You know, you take one play off, the, the ball finds you, you know. And generally, again, you hear that, too, from the guy. Like, I really didn't expect it to be me. It wasn't going to come to me. And, you know, the, the game finds that guy that's sleeping, you know. And yeah. just keep things positive. Though. I don't think, you you, you know, you're going to keep hammering the guy because he made the mistake. I mean, I made plenty of mistakes, too. You know, I struck out looking. I, I threw balls away. I made errors. And, and I think I responded better by my coach kind of patting me on the back and saying, okay, like, hey, let's go. Find another way to help the team. And then we just deliver that same message. You know, there's a lot of different ways to help a team win a baseball game. Obviously, you can lose it on one play, but you know, we're just going to try to keep on, on pointing out the positives and, and, and staying on that, you know, staying in the positive moment.
0: I like how you said that also is, is what were you thinking in that moment? That's a question that I think many people in leadership positions fail to ask because somebody does something wrong. It's easy to to react, to jump on them, especially in my industry. We're playing, it's life and death. It's not losing a baseball game. You could lose a life. Exactly. So somebody does something wrong. One of the best questions I've ever heard uh, was a chief officer asked a firefighter, uh, another officer who who tactically did something incorrect. He said, why did it make sense for you to do it that way at that time? And when he explained it, He actually had an answer that made sense at that time, based on the information he had, based on what he knew he was capable of doing, the tools, the resources available. It did make sense, but hindsight's always 20-20. One of the things I love talking to coaches about, before I get into qualities of team members that you look for, I like to talk to coaches about the parent. Being a coach for as long as you have, I'm sure that you see the parents that maybe are too vocal during the game. And I don't mean criticizing you, I'm sure you see that too with the umpires, I've seen, you've seen all of that, but criticizing their own kid. Do you see that to where you say, man, if they would just step away and let us do what we do and prepare them, this kid could be so much better off. Like, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's something we try to do. We do try to prepare our guys, you know, with like, not, maybe not obviously the parents screaming and yelling, but we put putting loud music on, and hit balls just try to make sure they're they're maintaining focus and we just talk about the same stuff like we're you're prepared like you're going to go on the field you're one of our nine guys you're ready to go like we expect you to perform you can handle all the situations that that are that are going to be you know put in front of you and again I think when you just keep on building them up build them up build them up they kind of just block out all that negative like they don't hear the, the other team talking their crap or you know starting their chance and you probably do block out some of the fans, you know, um, and maybe if it even is mom and dad, I I just, that was something that never bothered me. Um, I I actually used to enjoy it. You know, I thought it made me better, maybe focus harder and want it more and and wanted me to succeed that much more. I never, I never got nervous. I didn't get scared. Um, And I think again, when the guys hear it from us and it's over and over, we all repeat the same kind of stuff. You know, I think they just, they buy in, you know, they do. And I think then they, they, they get that extra sense of confidence and, I think that just helps them block it all out.
0: When you recruit a an athlete, a baseball player, to come play for you at Felician, obviously you want talent. But what are some of the things other than baseball talent? What are some of the things that you look for? Is it their work ethic, their attitude, um, how they deal with people? Do you check their social media? What are some of the things you do when you're looking? For an athlete
1: yeah I mean for me it all starts with hustle um if you're not a guy that's going to hustle and show effort you're, you're you're written off the list already obviously once we kind of get past the hustle part yeah now we just see that you have pretty good skill set you know you throw well you hit well whatever um the next thing obviously I want to see is how you interact in the game with your teammates your coaches the umpires you know again when you make a mistake what's that kid do it's really easy when everything's high and you're going three for three and you're making every play and your team's winning but how do you handle the low you know the strikeout look and the bad call, the bad hop to hit you in the face, or you know the throw that maybe could have been picked and it was. And then how do you handle that? And the guys that you know right away kick the dirt and and they make the the bad body language. That kind of right there starts to send a message. You know, let's see now what that kid does after the game's over. I kind of watch that too. Does does he go over talk to mom and dad, give him a hug and a kiss, or or is it right away a pout? You know, if if you're a powder, eh, we kind of tend to stay away um so we are watching everything social media is huge because i think obviously they don't realize they're they're telling us the story they're telling us exactly who they are you Mm -hmm. know you just look at what they're doing look at the stuff that they're following if that stuff generally trends in in a a negative direction we're we're parting ways we're not even going to continue the conversation i don't care how great you are we found that we've won um with maybe less talent but better better people you know better character and you know, just, I think you got to take it all in. It's, it's a hard process, obviously. We don't, we don't get a lot of time to watch um, as much as you would think, you know, you're only allowed to X amount of uh, evaluations and then you have to make a decision, but it, that's why it's important to then see them play a game, bring mom and dad in, sit them down. Let's talk. Let's ask some questions. Let's get a chance to find and feel each other out. Like I get to figure out what kind of upbringing you have is mom and dad, like, you know, just letting you do your own thing. Or, or are they, they're going to be a little bit like we are like, giving you direction and you're going to have, you know, a line drawn in the sand and you're going to put your foot on the line, but you're not going to cross the line. So let's try to find out as much as we can about that person. Um, because if it doesn't fit, then, you know, we, we're not going to, we're not going to continue the recruitment. It just doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah. You know, I was going to ask you what it takes to succeed as a collegiate athlete. And I think you mentioned that and I rode in college and I can tell you, uh, I've told this story before, but I was a starboard rower and the varsity team needed one port rower and that's like i mean you could relate that to playing baseball it's like you know they wanted a lefty pitcher and i'm righty and 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 it's like you just can't learn that overnight but what i did was every day after practice and our practices were early in the morning it was like 5 30 in the morning but after practice i would go up to the boathouse everybody would go eat breakfast and i would take this portable rowing machine and an oar with holes in it so i could set it up on the dock and i taught myself how to row as a port rower And I ended up actually earning that position. I had to challenge other guys for it and row against them. And uh, we did a series of physical um, contests as well. But the fact that I learned how to row, later on, my coach told me that he saw me doing that. And that right there was giving me the edge over everybody else because he said, this kid wants it. And I never forgot that. Not that I did that. I never forgot him saying that he was watching me from the shadows. And I had no idea that he was. Um, you and I uh, had just commented on uh, something on social media a couple of days ago. I posted a video about Brandon Bullsworth. Now he was the, uh, they featured his story in the movie Greater that came out in 2016. And uh, awesome. they, uh, awesome. They bill him as possibly the greatest walk-on in the history of college football. Here's a, a guy that, that had scholarships to play football, but he wanted to play for the University of Arkansas, the Razorbacks. And so he walks on and ends up earning um, a scholarship and then ends up becoming an All-American and then ends up getting picked up by the Colts and it has a tragic ending. But when I watch that, I'm like, what coach wouldn't want a guy like that? And especially if you watch like real life interviews or a documentary about him you see seems like he was a great guy to begin with right. but but do you see players come in that you think man that, 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 like that work ethic is exactly what we need and you almost sometimes think wish you could transfer it to other people's bodies
1: there's a lot of times you see it and um and, and again there's no it's it's not it's, when the guys have that end of the year success and the, they they garner all the accolades you you realize like you those guys put on all extra time all that extra work in the weight room all the extra time and just kind of, again, like figuring out their craft, whether it be hitting or, or the pitching part. I always tell the story about the guy who obviously made it to the major leagues for us, Jerry Vasto. That kid's work ethic was second to none. Like I've never seen a kid want it more, work harder, um, and, and just overcome a ton. Like he wasn't a, a true pitcher. He was more of a thrower. He came from a small high school. Obviously went to a really small college that nobody knew about. And he goes into pro baseball and he's in the major leagues within like two and a half years. I mean, Unbelievable I, story.
0: I think I just saw his name today. Somebody posted something about him.
1: hes uh, He just was invited to the, um, the Chicago Cubs Major League Spring Training. So yeah. obviously we're wishing Jerry lots of luck. But uh, just that, like that guy right there, I just remember him coming in as this, not that he was out of shape, but he just wasn't, he didn't have a body. Like he wasn't a mature looking kid and he transformed himself. And his work ethic just, like I said, second to none. He wound up getting out of Felician with a master's degree. And getting drafted and then obviously you know reaching the, the pinnacle of sports you know becoming a pro athlete and, and a major leaguer and and having success that way as well it's just you know him there's so many guys like that that come to mind and everybody always says oh it was easy for him I'm like you have no idea like i i still just remember watching him in the weight room first guy in last guy out, like all the stupid cliches that's that was jerry best like he worked that hard and and he got that reward you know so it's, it's, you know, there's no, it's just not a secret, you know, that it's going to take a lot of hard work, right? Life's the same way, you know, yep. nothing comes easy. Everything's going to be worked and, and and has that price. So, you know, it's just, it's crazy that people think differently and they try to cut corners. You can't cut corners in life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And when I was younger, I used to think that I used to think, wow, people who are pro athletes are just, they're naturally gifted, but it's not always the naturally gifted, talented, player that makes it it's you know oftentimes maybe they're the ones that don't make it they relied on their talent through high school maybe even through college but then everybody catches up to them through work ethic many times anyway
1: right absolutely
0: so let me ask you this so we talk a little bit about individuals we talk about the work ethic the attitude the effort what about as a team in general what makes a great team when you when you if you were to sit down and identify these are the three, four, five, six things that, that we would want from a great team, what would be on that list?
1: Uh, definitely the camaraderie of, you know, the brotherhood, you know, or just being teammates and everybody pulling in the same direction and just guys that have a common goal and, they, and they're working really, really hard to achieve it. And again, same thing, going back to Jerry Vasto, um, some other guys that you know, have been in the program, those guys on our team would never let a guy finish last. Like they would just keep on pushing that guy. That's when you knew you were going to have a really good year. When the team started from day one, getting kind of like cheery about running sprints or doing the stuff that you didn't want to do. They embraced it. They welcomed it. They challenged it. They loved it. Um, When you kind of start to see that, just that bond form, it's, there's no special, more of a special feeling. You're almost guaranteeing at the end of the year, you're going to see a dog pile. Um, And it's just a, it's really awesome feeling to see. It's, you do see a lot of, um, you know, it's obviously prideful. It's you know, it's just for a coach, it's a great feeling. I, I still get goosebumps thinking about some of these these groups. And I, right now, I feel like I'm dealing with one um, this year. You know, we have that kind of team that guys feel like they're brothers. They know, you know, again, they they know what everybody wants and they're not going to let that guy, you know, be outworked and they're going to try to outwork them. And it's just, it's a great thing. And now obviously with all this crappy weather, they're, they're still motivated to, to go out there and work real, real hard every day so easy to make an excuse, right? Oh, it's the Northeast. Yeah. It's cold, you know, bad weather. We don't have to work hard today. You know, the other day I was trying to get them out a little early. We had a rough week of practice, a lot of conditioning. Um, and guys were like, no, we got 10 more minutes. You we always said 35 to 40 every week. We increase. We stopped early this, this week. We're not doing it. And then they challenged me. So I had to challenge them again. And, uh, right then and there, I knew we were, we're, we're going to be headed for a pretty good year. You know, as long as we do, what we're supposed to keep doing and stay healthy. But, um, yeah, I just think that, that, coming together right away that that bond is you know really where it starts you know and you see it right away you really do there's no click everybody's just one cohesive unit
0: i i'm looking at my phone so i saved this on my phone today to your point it's a picture of um it looks like two volleyball players. I can't tell because they're on the sidelines, maybe basketball, but the way they're dressed looks like volleyball. And one of them's crouched down to two females. One of them's crouched down and she just looks like something bad just happened. She's shaking up. The other one's looking down, uh, crouching down. She's grabbing her hands, looking her in the eyes. And the caption is, I will lend you my strength until you can find your own. And I think what a great, what a great message. If you see the picture, I don't know if I can even show it, who knows what the copyright stuff, but, uh, when you see the picture, I look at that and I think, man, that's it. That's what it's about, right there. When, you, when, and we talk to our players about this, the kids that I coach, about building each other up constantly, and even my boys, be, being you know my, my two youngest ones, every they're brothers. Just like you have a twin brother, I have a brother that's a few years older. What do brothers do? Well, every now and then, brothers fight, right? Of and when my brothers do that, or my my kids do that, um, I talk to them. I, I sit them down. Sometimes I just let them wrestle for a while because they end up laughing. But I'll sit them down and I'll say, let me just explain something to you guys. I said, you have to take care of each other. You have to be each other's biggest cheerleader. You have to really take care of each other to a point where sometimes you'll feel like it's you against the world. I said, but if you want to be successful on these teams that you play on, you need to be that way with your teammates too. And when you find that, that's where it all comes from. Because right now you guys are arguing over something with an iPad or something that really doesn't mean anything. But what what really matters is that if somebody has a problem with one of you, they have to have a problem with both of you. That's what I want for my team. And I don't mean this in a physical confrontation problem way. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is when someone shows up to play one of my teams, or when my firefighters show up to fight a fire, I want them to think we have this beat, because of the way we were going to look after and take care of each other, it's that simple, and it's beautiful when you find it. And like you said, I think you know when you have it, don't you? You know when your team's fully developed and firing on all cylinders.
1: There's definitely a, a strong feeling for sure, and you just watch it. They really enjoy each other. There's again, there's no, there's no little nagging, little fight at the end. There's no, there's no drama. Everything is, for the most part, fun and but fun in a serious way. Like their, their tone is. Let's let's get work accomplished. There's a challenge in front of us. Let's go meet it. And and again, so at times they want to they want to go above and beyond that. But certainly you feel it. I mean, after doing it long enough, you do. You really do.
0: If you could balance fun and and work ethic at the same time, that's a perfect situation. It really yeah, is.
1: You're not kidding. You mentioned
0: <laughs> you mentioned drama. I heard Brandon Burchard. Uh, I don't. I hope I didn't butcher his last name. But I heard him say that drama is an indication that your team's not connected to meaningful goals. Because teams that have goals and passion for their goals, they don't have time for drama. And that stuck with me because right. I thought any time that I've been a part of a team where drama started creeping in, it's because you were focused on the drama, not focused on what you were trying to accomplish as a team. Right. Or the- more,
1: or more of like that selfish tone. You know, drama to me is a lot of times about, you know, being selfish, you know, like just worrying about the you and not the, you know, the we. And, and then, again, we're big about the
0: week. Yeah. And you see that even a lot in pro sports where you see somebody who is in it for themselves. I've seen it among some basketball players. You see amongst among some baseball players. Um, you know, there's even arguments of some people may not make it into the Hall of Fame. And, and people are questioning why. And some people are questioning, well, they weren't good teammates. I'm like, I don't know if that should be a factor in whether you make the Hall of Fame. But I will tell you that that stuff carries yeah, I mean, when you get that label, you're not a good teammate. It's not, just not a good label to have. No, it's really not. What are your thoughts on unwritten rules? Like a 3-0 count, bases loaded, and they say you should take the pitch instead of hit the home run like this guy did in the majors, and, and then everybody started beating him up on social media. What do you think about unwritten rules in baseball?
1: Oh, I mean, sometimes I think I let my guys swing 3-0, um, There's some unwritten rules as far as I'm concerned. Like, if a guy slides in the second real hard and we're trying to send the message, obviously, as the pitcher to the hitter, they're trying to throw the ball at the guy's back or his head. I was always taught you want to throw the ball, like, down at the knees. Like, I I think there's certain things in the game that need to keep the game the game. You know, there's that, like you said, an unwritten rule that we're going to respect each other. You're never going to, you know, basically hurt my teammate or, 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 you know, be too showy. Because sometimes, obviously, those home runs and some of the antics that follow the home runs, I I can't stand it. I I, I wouldn't watch it. I mean, if you're in the major leagues, you hit 500 home runs, you know what it feels like. You've done it more than once. You, don't need, to, you
0: don't need to flip the bat and, and eyeball the pitcher and do all that sure. stuff.
1: Exactly. That guy made, you know, maybe he threw a bad pitch, whatever, you hit a mistake. Just hit the baseball, run around the bases. You've been there before. There's no reason to, unless you won the World Series with it, you know, okay, great. Maybe that's a little different, but just act like you've been there before. Respect your teammate. Respect your opponents. And, and and again, the unwritten rule thing, I mean, I definitely let guys swing 3-0. Um, if they were up a big score, I, I obviously wouldn't do it. You know, I, right. I think the same thing as far as, like, I know it's an unwritten thing. You get a big lead. A uh, guy, hits a fly ball in the outfield. Like, I don't like to advance ba- uh, bases, but how do I take away a guy from doing his job? Man's on third, infield's back. It's a fly ball in the outfield. It's 14-0 or 12-1. to you got to score the run. You can't take away from that guy's, you know, mindset of the, being a team player, getting the RBI in, you know, getting that guy. You have to do it. You have to score the run. Pass ball, 14 nothing. I probably don't let my guy run. I got yelled at a couple of times by other coaches for it, but I said, that's okay. You know, like, you can be mad at me. But at the end of the day, I'm making sure my guys understand that that's it. You know, we're going to keep competing to get the outs, but, you know, we're not going to keep trying to score runs until you score some. So, you know, thank God it's never bitten me in the butt, but... I, I don't know. It's, that's. I guess it's a kind of a hard question to answer. But I've let my guy swing three zero.
0: The whole "you can't swing at three thing to me, honestly, it makes no sense at all. I, I, like you should be. It's he's throwing a pitch. If he's going to put one right down the middle, then take it. I mean, don't take it. I mean, take the ball for a ride. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, go get it. Absolutely. I mean, so, what's the difference three zero and two zero? I mean, really, is there a big difference? Right. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. So but I guess it's more about the score at that point. They were up big, right? It was like a 10 they, nothing lead or something. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think it was. I think it was. And there's always a little bit more to it. And you never know the backstories that lead up to stories that happen. Um, exactly. You said a great sentence. You said, act like you've been there before. And I, I just want to touch on that real quick, because my favorite touchdown celebration of all times was always Barry Sanders. Because here's a guy that every time he scored, he He's would take – he'd hand it to the ref. Yep, and, mm-hmm. and I love it because he's saying, I've been here before, I'm going to be here again. I don't need to show off. And today I see everybody, you know, it's all about the touchdown celebration. The teams get together and they all pose after touchdown I'm thinking you're 0-6 as a team, but the picture is great. And I'm a New York Giants fan. I've been through this the past couple of years. Yeah, but, but, um, but in my field, so I want to talk to the firefighters that are listen to this podcast about this whole act like you've been there before. Uh, it's tough to act like you've been there before if you don't train to be there for those times it does happen. Like the last thing we want is a firefighter turning a corner, seeing smoke and going, holy cow. No, this is what you do. <laughs> you know, it's like the garbage man turning the corner and seeing garbage and being surprised. It's supposed to be there. That's what you're there for. Mm-hmm. So act like you've be been there before is a great, a, a great um way to look at it, but you have to prepare for that. I want to end just by letting you know that, see, this backdrop that I have behind me is, is your facility that you just opened this week, Langen Sports. And if you don't mind, I'd like you to talk about where it's at and what you guys offer so people know that they can take advantage of it if they want to.
1: Yeah, um, Langen Sports is uh, it's about a 9,000 square foot facility which you took a great picture of. That That's the turf area um, where teams that play lacrosse, soccer, uh, football, um, obviously baseball, you know, those teams can come in there. There's, there's really no um, interference, so to speak. There's no, there's no, as you can see, no dividers like hanging in the middle. So you can kind of throw a baseball or a football or kick a soccer ball, a lacrosse ball. You can do all those things freely, um, really good wide open space to train in. Uh, the picture that you don't have shown is there's a there's a batting cages in the back there with, um, you know, pa- uh, hack attack machines, which obviously are like pitching machines. Um, but they can throw curve balls and they can actually like show like a left hand pitcher throwing the ball, running it away. Um, so they have, you know, stuff like that, that, that um, obviously helps these guys get better and better every day as uh, things we use at the college level. Um, you know, it's open. It's open pretty much uh, from three o'clock to 10 o'clock at night, Monday through Friday. Uh, Saturdays and Sundays, we're there all day. It's 8 in the morning, you know, pretty much still 10 at night. We'll stay later if need be. Um, you know, have an knowledgeable staff there. Obviously, my brother Steve is the main guy. Um, he takes care of all of it. Um, he'll welcome the phone call. He'll he'll be very fair with rates. Uh, I think we all understand that, again, growing up in Union Beach, that wasn't a blue – you know, it was more of a blue-collar town. And um, I think we're going to remain blue-collar people no matter what happens in life. So, uh, you know, there'll definitely be reasonable rates there. Um You know, Amboy Road, Morganville, New Jersey. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, definitely definitely a place I'd say go check out.
0: Chris Langan, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your wisdom and insight. Good luck this season, and I'm sure that we'll be seeing you real soon at practice.
1: I appreciate everything. Thanks for the opportunity. All the best. Thanks so much.
0: Bye-bye.